In honor of the dummy portfolio, which as of today is back in black. <laughs> I thought you might have been playing with me and fiddling it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tony, you got to pay me a lot more money if you want me to play with you this early in the morning. <laughs> it's, I just had a look at it. It's up 4.43%. Oh, no. Because, <laughs> you know, everything's great now. The coronavirus is over. Well, except for the second largest state in the country but apart from that yeah. it's it's all good now <laughs> one fifth of the economy that's right yeah and, and how many cases in the u.s oh millions <laughs> yeah. i don't know man i don't get it three million or something yeah people are obviously feeling upbeat yeah anyway we should that's uh, good though. it is well it's funny i don't know if it's good but yeah good no, funny it's... don't know if it'll last but there you go we're up four and a half percent at the moment and the All Lords is down 9% from the 2nd yeah. of September. So um, our shares are doing well. Anyway, we should uh, get on with it. I think Alex is expecting our call. We're going to have Alex back on. Yeah, that's right. He's going to come and talk about executing share trades. And I'm back from my run to the border to pick up my daughter. The back from the border to pick up your daughter. <laughs> You're a rapper I'm back now. back on the borderline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we got her out before the lockdown came into effect between New South Wales and Victoria. Well, that's good. Yeah. she doing okay? So, she's good. Yeah, she's great. She's a bit uh, sad to be leaving her friends, but understands it's better being up here uh, in the land of the free than down in Melbourne being in lockdown. Yeah. But she can't see her boyfriend either way, so it didn't really make much difference to oh, her. Oh, really? They yeah, well, been... you can't visit people. Mm. Well, Yes. In Melbourne. Mm. Mm. Ugh, horrifying. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Spreading fast. I think it'll come back up here. But the night I was in it, Alex's boyfriend drove her across the border into Albury, where we met, and uh, I picked her up at like 8 o'clock at night, and there was already two cases recorded in Albury. Oh, really? Wow. So it's, it's going to spread north. Oh. And if they found if they found two cases, there's probably other ones they didn't find. Time to shut the Queensland border to New South Wales again, <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just have to miss out on that Queensland dinner for a while. Well, we're gonna do it without you. That's what we've decided. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're gonna zoom me in or something? <laughs> yeah, Lee suggested that. I get lunch with Lee the other day and he said, Yeah, we'll just put a laptop at the end of the table, zoom Tony in, and while we eat Yeah, but I've had, you know, Lee, Steve, Pete Holdsworth, a few other people have said, Yeah, let's just do it and uh, get okay. together. And, you know, we'll, you know, when Tony feels safe to come up, we'll do another one. So, anyway, look out for that, Queensland people. I'll start working on a date or something uh, soon. Um, anyway. It's uh, 11.05. Let me call Alex. Mm. Yeah, great. Hey, Alex, I'm back. Tony's with me this time. Okay, hi. Hi, hi Alex, how, how are you? How was the drive? Yeah, it, it was, was pretty, pretty intense, intense, actually. Because <laughs> they, um, they, they changed, changed the rules on the way down, down after, after I left. left. I left 2 o'clock on a Monday, Monday thinking we had until midnight, midnight Tuesday. Tuesday. But then, but then uh, they, they said anyone coming across, across the border from Melbourne on Monday night. Would have, have to self isolate for two, two weeks. weeks so. 
Alex made a mad dash for the board and picked her up Monday night. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Were you playing the eastbound and down music on the trip, Tony? That's what I want to know. Were you, were you uh, driving the bandit? No, I was glued to the ABC news radio picking up the latest changes, news reports. Yeah. It was well, a moving fest. Hey, um, mm. We've got a call for the takeover for premium. Which, mm-hmm. if you if you're free, try not to listen to because it's something you want to listen to. Yeah, yeah, sure. What's happening okay. is that even though I take up a parent uh, percentage now, so that's a limit there which I'm cheering. So I'll have to be onto that one. But let's kick off. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the reason for the call is to just to get you to show us and talk about uh, different ways of executing trades. We have a lot of listeners who are first-time share market traders or investors. Uh, and they're, they're asking us questions, and I haven't executed my own trades for a very long time, so I thought you might get the help. Um, can you maybe start off by giving us an outline of the different types of orders that can be requested when you're executing a share trade? Okay, so if a client brings up, the client has a few options. So he can either buying or selling a price, buying or selling the same. If he wishes to buy shares, he can A, pick a price. So if you know, if he wants to buy shares are trading at ten dollars and the offer is ten oh one, he can say buy it at ten oh one and he buys shares and gets completed. And that's what sort of it's effectively a market trade. The client can also choose to actually buy shares at a particular price and he might say, Look, the share prices are quite volatile due to market movements, gold price, and choose to pick a certain price. So he might say, Look, I'm a patient buyer, I'll just go and sit there, not at ten dollars, but nine dollars fifty just in case there's a big, big movement in the, in the market due to you know, the NASDAQ or the Dow or other broader issues uh, in the marketplace. There's also other ways you can, if it's a, for a market order of a small retail investor, that's when you just do it at market, that's fine. If it's a bigger order than some of the institutions and some people might say, look, can you buy, I'm buying 100000 or $200,000, depending on your advisor, can we buy these over the day? And so you might try and get what's called the pre-wop, which is basically the average price over the day in the other buying machine or manually. Sometimes when you see orders go through, you may see an order go through which has small numbers. That's what's an algo trader. An algo trader buys two or three shares every 10 minutes, whatever number of shares, over the day to complete the order. That's another way of doing it. And so, so that's generally how it happens. Uh, the only thing I would say is that sometimes there are, there are companies which have very big spreads. I have a gap between what the bid and the offer is. It could be 10 cents, it could be 50 cents. Um, it really depends on the company just because it's not a particularly liquid stock. That's when it's often you put a set price in because you don't want to move um, the price too much, either up or down, if you just have a market order. And finally, so you've got those are sort of the parameters as such. The other thing is that the, op- the operator or the advisor has to ensure that the order is executed in what's called an orderly market. So he or she can't just buy the shares at market. They have to make sure the market movement's not too much and you move with the market. That's very applicable, to, as I said before, to those stocks which have either illiquid or have quite big um, bids and offers and such. Does that answer your question, Tony? Yeah, there was a question from one of our listeners about uh, some other order types. I think one was a cancel at day end, something like that. Does that uh, sound yeah. familiar to you? Yeah, that's that's when you say the order is just good for the day. So you yeah. might say, look, I just wish to buy. At the end of the day, if I don't get it, cancel the order. That's quite um, better to use as well. So, so in case there's a big movement in the, share, in the markets overnight, 
that he won't be caught out either way because of you know, big moments whether it's at the gold stock and the gold price rises $50 or gold stocks move up X percent. And if you're trying to sell those shares, you'd want to reevaluate your position. So that's why, at the end of the day, a number of people just elect to cancel the order, lose priority, and then try again the next day. Okay. Uh, going back to the um, the stocks that might have a big gap between their bid and sell, and you talked about buying in an orderly market. So say there was a, yeah. a stock trading at $10, so the sell was at 10 but the buy was at 950 Does that mean you'd be going in at 975 and placing an order trying to narrow that gap? How would you manipulate that? Yeah, I would say if a client is, is a patient person, then you can go at 975 and you hope during the day you'll be filled on the buying or selling. If in the bigger gap, say nine and ten dollars, um, you might have to say, look, I'll start at nine dollars or nine twenty. And if the last trade was nine dollars and, and the first offer is ten dollars, um, then you know from that we say, okay, let's go and um, we'll gradually push up the price. The other thing is you have to be aware of in the ASX there's two markets. You can buy shares in the ASX or you can buy shares on another market called Chiax, which is the second market. So most brokers should have access to both to give the best possible price to the client in question. So you, oh, you try and have, you may decide to put, so you may put the order in both markets to ensure uh, you get the best possible price. Right. And does it make a difference whether the market's going up or down as to how you execute? Do you, do you hold off more on down days or do you buy more aggressively on down days? Uh, no, it's it's more dependent on the, on the company in question and the liquidity of the stock. Obviously, trying to sell shares in National Australia Bank or, or West Farm is, is relatively simple because the liquidity is so high. In some of the smaller companies, where liquidity is harder, that's where you have to be more careful because if you try and sell the average, if that company has 50,000 shares traded a day and you've got to sell 500,000 or a million, you've got to be careful how you feed the, feed the stock into the market to ensure you don't um, push the price up or down too much. So you want to sort of get, enable or get the best price for the client in question. Mm. So so tell me about the, I know, I know your stock brokerage has a best price policy. Is that uh, is that something across the board for all stock brokers or something yeah. that you do? And, and, and what does that work? Yeah. How does that work? That's just trying, how does that work? Look, that is a way where you try and do your best you can. Um, and as I said before, big socks are easier, smaller, smaller, illiquid ones, which is harder. But you're trying to get the best possible price for for your client um, in an orderly fashion to adhere to the market rules. And that's what I mentioned before. You might be saying, look, we may buy and sell shares on the ASX or on TriX or both. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, and that's it. Not all and- brokers are licensed on both markets. Right, okay. And um, what what kind of errors have you seen DIY investors make? What kind of risks are out there for the novice investor? The novice investor is that, and I think the probably the best one is when you, probably the most famous one for AMP when it floated, and it, you know, okay, now it's going through its challenges, but when it first floated, everyone wanted to be you know, the first buyer, and it really raced up, and you know, prices is high, I think $61, and it came back to, to the 30s. So I think the issue is that when retail advisor the client puts an order to buy, you just have a market price. Okay, that's fine. But particularly for IPOs, you may, or when stocks come out of suspension, you can obviously have a, a big uptick or a big downtick, particularly when those situations where the company has an update, 
such as a, a profit upgrade or downgrade or, or a takeover. Um, you know, that may lead to the share price moving up or moving down, depending on the news. And that's where the retail investor, if he's not, if he's put the order in and then stock is um, put in a trading halt and then comes out due to a either a takeover um, being a target or or profit upgrade downgrade, that can, that's where the retail investor can be... Um, Came in an unfortunate situation because of the market movements, and he hasn't, if he hasn't changed his price or withdrawn the order due to uh, information's come out, as I said, a profit upgrade, downgrade, etc. Yeah. So, so say for example, I want to sell a stock and it goes into a trading halt, waiting for further news. Does, am I able to cancel my order during that trading halt, or do I have to wait for it to reopen? It depends. You can, normally, you can. Um, the only thing sometimes they may. You can the, the stocks may be a frozen for it depends how long for, but generally speaking, you can withdraw your order um, in that situation. So if it goes in a trading halt, you can read the announcement. And obviously, there's a time period or from when the trading halt is released, you can withdraw your order. Mm. So, and but the risk is if I don't withdraw it, then the stock may come out and out of its trading halt and drop through my sell price and and uh, you know trade for lower than that or my buy price for that matter sure. trade for lower than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. correct. And that's why you have to be, yeah. And often, like today, when you see companies announce takeovers um, or mergers, et cetera, um, an advisor should, in the main, if it's, uh, or a client should go and say, oh, what does this mean? And do I, I still have to buy it? It could be good news, it could be bad news, but should reassess the situation mm. on a announcement such as that. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it's good advice. Uh, is it possible to put a conditional order into the market? Well, depends. I mean, the conditional is basically price and volume. Um, mm -hmm. if, if an announcement comes out which is significant, most advisors will either, will either look at the announcement, talk to the client, um, or take the order out subject to talking to the client because there's been a big change. Yeah. So, obviously, when you're online, when you're doing an online broker, that probably wouldn't happen. That's mm -hmm. why you've got to be. Uh, that's the advantage of having an advisor. I'd suggest. Mm. No, I agree. There's been been plenty of times when your uh, your uh, executors have come back to me and said, "This has happened. What do you want to do?" So it is important. Um, now, what about uh, stop loss settings? Do you uh, do you use those, or do you advise well, to use those? No, we we, we don't we, we don't in the in the main um, some. We should look at things as such, but basically the stop loss facilities are more used in uh, futures contracts, things like that. Not, we don't do them in, on, on the equities market. So, Why so you know? wouldn't you wouldn't advise a client if the stock was trading at ten dollars and the client was worried it might drop, uh, and they put an order in conditional on it dropping below nine dollars. You wouldn't you wouldn't do that. Um, I wouldn't do that. Well, why does it drop to nine dollars? If mm. the thesis is. It's sort of the business and you know, the fluctuations go through. I mean, we saw both in the GFC and we saw more recently you know, in March, certain stocks dropped dramatically just for sentiment and liquidity and et cetera. But the good businesses still went forward. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a good example is something like APA, Australian Pipeline Trust. It was still a good business. The gas demand is still the same, et cetera. And the stock moved from 11.50 down to under $10. Now it's back at just under $11 now. So mm -hmm. it was still a good business. It just fluctuated. But that's when you have to have a discussion with your advisor or look at the stock, say, well, why is it dropped a dollar? Is it because of market movements? Is it because of our downgrade? Is it because 
you know, they've missed out on a contract, et cetera. Mm, okay. Uh, and what about breaking up orders? So if, if, if uh, someone wants to buy um, a, well, a large parcel, like say $100,000 of a stock, would you would you look at the liquidity and break that uh, down? Um, yeah. And would you do that for what sort of the cutoff for, for worrying about that? If you had say 10,000 to invest, would you do it? Well, I think it's more a question of dollar amount. I mean, buying 10,000 BHP is one thing, buying 10,000 shares in a, a, a small company, you know, if it's a $100,000 order or a million dollar order in dollar value, you might say, well, look, um, and the liquidity of the stock in question. So we might say, oh, look, we're happy to buy 20% now, buy 20% but later during the day. Or we might say, look, at $10, we're happy to buy half the stock or a third. And if it drops down to 990, we'll complete the other half. Mm. And you get an average of 995. Yep. So that does happen. And, you know, because the market does move around a bit and you're trying to get a better, a better price. Obviously, sometimes the market goes the wrong way and goes up and you miss it. So you're going to measure it both. So you're always trying to make sure you get. Um, a position as such in, in the stock you wish to buy. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think that's probably all my questions. What What about uh, if I'm? I know that there are laws around what stockbrokers can do. For example, they can't front run a client's order. What about if I was yeah. using my own share trading platform? Am I Am I open to that manipulation going on in those kinds of markets? Well, you're not a licensed person, so you can. I mean, if you wish to go and buy shares, you buy shares. Yeah. Um, that's fine. As long as you're not privy to inside information, then you're just governed by. It's a question where if I have an order to buy shares myself and a client wants to buy the same shares, that client always goes first. Right. And always will get, you know, you know the client must come first at all. At all. Not at all at, because that's just the, the rules, the culture, the firm, the culture, how it should be. Mm. Okay. So, um, so the client always comes first. Yes. So in sense of, and if you have multiple clients, then you just put in a price or do an average price, etc. But you know, yeah. the retail client comes first. Yeah. No, I was thinking. I was thinking. I guess in my example, if I'm on a, uh, a Comsec platform or something like that, are there algorithmic traders out there who are looking at what's what the buying is and trying to get in front of it? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Some of the algos look at the depth. Sorry. There are some um, algorithmic traders who they look at the volume of stocks, number of lines, number of bids, and they go and put a bid in themselves, and they try and make a match on that. So they'll go in and say, okay, I can see there's 54 people want to buy 2 million shares of Telstra at $3.40, and there's 60 people want to sell 2 million shares in the, amongst X number of people, and they're sitting at 41. And then there are people who put in orders as they get closer up or down, they try and make some money on that. Yeah. There are people that do that um, to take a, a small margin of a cent or two or thereabouts in this situation. Okay. Mm. Um, so that's when you often see those funny numbers of shares go through. Because mm. previously you, you couldn't deal on odd lots, odd lots. Yep. Whereas now you can. Is there anything you can do about that? Sorry. Is it actually something, is it a worry for someone who's trading on a ComSec platform? <laughs> Look, for the. Obviously, certain people believe they make money from doing that. Mm -hmm. I think if you want to buy the shares, you buy the shares. But sometimes we do see a situation where you wish to buy, I use Telstra as an example, you want to buy 20,000 shares in Telstra and there's 50-odd sellers. As you start pushing through those 50-odd sellers, a few, as you start pushing through, then the, some of the algorithmical people may pull out of the market. 
so that rather than 50 sellers, you may only have 40 sellers. Right. That does happen on occasion. Yep. I wouldn't say every day, but it does happen a bit. Those are for big liquid stock as opposed to the smaller illiquid companies. Yep, okay. Well, that's good. Well, I, I, I guess I'd, I'd have to say I think you guys have, have saved my bacon in some occasions and, and made me money in others just through your trading. So I think it's worthwhile, you know, using a, um, a stockbroker. Yeah. Well, I think also a question of making sure that you have the right number of shares where you wish to buy or sell. So because obviously our job is to make sure we understand our clients and that when a client says, look, buy me $10,000, but then he says for some reason, he says $10 million or that's when you, you, the advisor should ask the question, hang on, is that right? And you go and have a chat to the client in question and say, hey, is it right? Oh, sorry, thank you, Alex. No way we go. So, that's right. There's that, been a couple of those, yeah, for me. The fat finger, that, the fat that, finger that's the, uh, that's the idea. problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've, even, we've, all, we've all made that error. Yeah. Yeah, good. All, all right. right. Well, I, we should let I you go, Alex. Yeah, you're you're bound for time, so thanks I'm, for that. I'm at, yeah, I'm about to jump on the call. Feel free to jump in if you'd like to have a listen, and mm. uh, we'll go from there. Thanks, okay. Alex. Have and a good, day. Uh, and good news for Damster recently too. Thank you. Thank you. Great news. Okay. Thank you, <laughs> John. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers. Bye. All right. Okay. That was nice of him to come on and walk through that. I one thing I didn't understand is the he said there are two exchanges. The yes. What's the second one? I couldn't pick that up. The Tri-X or something? Chi-X, C-H-I. Chi, okay. Yeah. There's actually, I think there's more than two. I think there's one uh, There's one called the Newcastle Stock Exchange, which is very, very small, but the two uh, the two larger ones are ASX and Chi-X. Chi-X Australia is the Securities and Derivatives Exchange transforming the Australian investment market through a focus on customers and innovation. Right. So, do you know, what's the advantage of using Chi-X? Any? Uh, oh, that's a really good... We should have asked Alex. A uh, really good question. It's my understanding is the Chi-X is much, much smaller and not every company is duly listed. And I think they do have some slightly different rules. Uh, they, yeah, around, around trading. I think from memory they allow big instos to trade directly with each other and not go through a market, but I could be wrong with that. Hmm. Yeah, but it does allow, um, it's another market, so it does allow a bit of price arbitrage, but I think it also allows, um, I think it was set up, I'm, I'm here, I, I shouldn't talk about this because it's not an area of expertise. I think it was trying to be a NASDAQ for Australia. Yeah, I was going to ask if it's our equivalent of the NASDAQ. I've never heard of it before. Okay. So, but I just looked at uh, Reject Shop, so... TRS is still the symbol on Chi-X. It says the last traded price is 7.53. My Google sheet is telling me 7.49, but it was 7.50 a second ago. So the prices uh, are maybe a little bit different. I guess I should refresh it on this. No, it's still 7.53. Um, oh, low of 7.49. There you go. So, yeah, it looks like the price is roughly the same. The symbol's the same. Interesting. I, we should yeah, get someone to come be. on and talk to us about Chi-X. Yeah. yeah, no, we should. I mean, I'm sure there's someone that they have an in investor relations who can come on and talk about it for sure. Mm. I've never used it. I've always been on the ASX, although, as Alex says, it sounds like some, some of my trades that I've asked him to execute may have gone through Chi-X. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, seeing as we're here... 
<laughs> Is there anything else you want to you want to talk about today? A couple of things that I was sending through to talk about on Monday we can talk about now. So a couple of bugs in the QAV master spreadsheet. One was found by a listener, thank you very much. And one was found, I found this morning when I was just uh, being a bit paranoid now that I found the first bug. Right. Uh, I don't think they're, they're sort of major ones. That It doesn't look like it's affected the watch list, but um, people might want to... Are, are you going to publish those in the journal or change the... I will, yeah. Yeah. I'll change, I'll uh, change the uh, checklist uh, that's in Dropbox and I'll make a note yeah. of it in the journal. Thank you to Mark Dugmore who picked up the first one, had to do with some of the Stock Doctor Star Stock uh, calculations in the checklist. Good work, Mark. Sharp eyes, sharp eyes. Yeah, and the other one was checking for stocks being below the Stock Doctor IV, but it wasn't picking up the consensus, I think. Right. Uh, if there wasn't a Stock Doctor IV. So that they've both been fixed now. Minor changes, but uh, yeah, they they'll, will affect things over time. Um, so there's that. Second thing, people should be aware that companies are starting to make their results announcements now. As you know, this happens every every time. The the bulk of the announcements will come out during uh, August, so it's usually a clear month after the end of the financial year or end of the financial half. But some of the companies that have uh, simpler, uh, I guess, businesses like the some of the listed investment companies are starting to report. And uh, there are one or two companies that had an end of end of May date rather than end of June, so they're also reporting now. So people just might want to get in, get into the practice of checking Stock Doctor for updates uh, until we start getting a, an avalanche of reports coming through. Mm. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was we spoke about gearing last week on our podcast because there were some questions from listeners. And I neglected to talk much about the type of mortgage that I've used in the past, which was an interest-only mortgage. So I think I said something about uh, I would buy shares that had a yield above the mortgage rate so that the mortgage could be serviced by the dividends. Uh, but, uh, of course, if you're taking out a principal plus interest mortgage, which is a standard-type mortgage, you're only covering the interest that way. You still have to stump up the, the uh, principal repayment, which is quite large every month. So interest only is the way to go if you're investing for the stock market. Uh, so you can cover your interest payments by your dividend yield. You, it, it is much more difficult these days to get that kind of mortgage, and, and we don't have one at the moment because uh, after the Hain Royal Commission into the banking system, I think banks are now limited to about 10% of their customers being on interest only loans. So we found it difficult to get one. And uh, they will charge maybe up to an extra 1% interest for them which doesn't make a big difference when the interest rates are low like this. Hold on, explain to me how an interest-only loan works. Yeah, so there's two types of loans. So say I borrowed a million dollars over 25 years, then the, the majority of loans are what's called principal plus interest. So over that 25 years, I've got to pay the million dollars back hmm. and I've got to pay interest every year for the 25 years. And mm-hmm. so what the bank will do is take the million dollars and divide it by 25 times 12, so 25 month, 25 years of monthly repayments. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, the principal part of the monthly repayment. And then they'll also take the 12 monthly interest amount and divide it up and, and give you a, a monthly interest repayment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's much larger. The repayment each month is much larger than if you're just paying off the interest 
And what you do is you guarantee, usually an interest only loans for a lesser period, it might be for five years or 10 years. And you, you know, either agree to pay off the amount at, the, at some stage during the loan, uh, but not necessarily on equal monthly installments or to refinance at the end of the period and take out another loan or, or go to another bank and take out a loan and repay the first bank. So you do need to pay back the principal. They're not just saying, look, keep that. That's fine. Just pay us back the interest. You do have to repay it, uh, oh. but you not, you're not, don't have to repay it in equal monthly installments. So you can, for huh. example, repay it with capital gains if you sell some shares. Ah. You know, if we have a, a big run in the share market, you, you make $100,000, you might decide to pay the loan off with that by $100,000. Right. Right. And that might be you know, once or twice a year, for example, over the yeah. period of the loan. Yeah. And, and what, what kind of collateral do you need to put up for a loan like that? I mean, if you're, when you are borrowing money to buy shares with, I assume you have to put up, uh, well, you just, when you're, when you're redoing your mortgage, increasing your mortgage, uh, that's how you do it, right? So yeah. they've got a lien over the property. Do you have Correct. to tell them what you're doing with the money? Uh, uh, in the past, no, but this ever since Hay and I had to last time, which made them a little bit nervous, and they, they chucked us onto a... They lowered the LVR, which is the amount you could borrow, and they put us onto a principal plus uh, interest loan. So, Do they know who you are? <laughs> did you say, look, just Google me? And they said, we did. You don't exist. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. it's a, it's a yeah. strange old world, isn't it? We've had a relationship with the bank for 25 <laughs> years and they still ask questions and, you know, don't trust you, but that's banking, I guess. <laughs> that's, you don't have like a private banker who goes, Tony, anything we you do. need, mate. Yeah? That's that's what they say. And when you say, can I have an interest only loan and can I increase it? They go, well, you know, home rule <laughs> commission. Can you fill out this big questionnaire? Blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm like shocked. I would have thought you'd have a relationship with your bank where they're like coming to you once a week begging you to take more money. It used to be that like that, yeah, definitely. Before we went over to Canada, right? Absolutely. They were, I mean, I won't say what they were doing because I don't want to get people into trouble. But yeah, they were taking a much more <laughs> open, uh, open approach to uh, to loaning people money. And so, what yeah. happened? You went to Canada and you lost those relationships. Uh, you were yes. still banking here, though. You're still investing yeah. here. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the staff did turn over, but I think it was the Home Rule Commission that came in right. and changed things. They all got became they all became very risk averse. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> Home Rule Commission wasn't worried about banks ripping off rich people. Well, that was no, but more it, about but ripping impose, off poor people. It, that's that's true. But it did impose more rules on like how many customers can have an interest only loan, for example. Right, and you know yeah. that 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 you get swept up in that as well, even though. Yeah, I was surprised, but I did. Uh, wow. And because we were living in an apartment, they have a different um, risk, you know, risk policy for apartments versus houses as well. <laughs> <laughs> I know oh, it didn't make much sense, and we argued it, and we shopped it around, but everyone was being <laughs> risk averse. I'm just, I'm shocked. Like, don't they know who you are, who your wife is? Yep. Um. <laughs> well, mind you, we still like for the average Australian, we still have a very large mortgage. If it's a small percentage of our assets. <laughs> yeah, but surely they take that into account, right? Like, they should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I mean, I, I, I really expected that. Anyway, they'd come I could to you with. Buy what with, I liked. 
Well, yeah. yes, they would come to you with, yeah. you know, white kid gloves and red carpets <laughs> and, you know, gold telephones and be like, you know, you're, you're knocking on your door every day trying to get you to switch banks and not making you deals like you're the creme de la creme. You would think you're the creme de la creme, you and Jenny, as... In yeah. terms of customers, bank customers, yep. you think they'd be all over yep. you like white on rice, man. Yep. But, <laughs> but don't forget too, like we're uh, because we're savvy. We're not. We're not uh, necessarily. We're good customers for them in terms of the amount we borrow. But you know, I'm not going to go out and pay for them to manage my finances or. Yeah. Uh, you know, where they make their money, I, I don't use much of that insurance, anything like that. No. Right. No thanks. Yeah. You're not getting the fries with that taking the fries with yeah, that option. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So maybe from a profit point of view, we're not that great for them. Right. Well, mm. shocked. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a little bit of an extra episode, short one for people this week. Um, I guess I'll put that out today. Three episodes in a week. No reason to I hold know. that off to Gosh. next week. Yeah. <laughs> the Back in Black episode with Alex Hay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what happens. All right. Well, uh, thanks, okay. mate. I'll talk to you Monday. Right. Give, my, give my love to Alex. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye. See ya. Bye.